deep down when, uh, <laughs> I swear, I don't think I know all of those by heart. You guys are doing great. Well, good morning, good morning. Happy New Year. This is exciting, 2020. And so uh, Mary and I, we got to uh, be at a, a, a Catholic, charismatic Catholic conference this weekend. And so, man, oh man, they are fired up about Jesus. It was lots of fun. And uh, Randy Clark was one of the speakers. And so Randy and I were the first two Protestant speakers they've ever had at this conference. And so God's just, uh, right, you know, uh, people who love Jesus are brothers and sisters, even if we don't agree on everything, right? I'm not even sure I agree with everything I believe in. And so we'll, uh, we're all growing here, right? All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 1. No, I'm not kidding. Leviticus chapter 1. We're starting a series uh, on Leviticus called Guts, Grace, and the Gospel. And so I know some of you, you have set out to read your Bibles through. You have started off at the beginning of January, and you've gotten in Genesis, and you are trucking through. It's great. You've got the story of creation. You've got Noah. You've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. It's just awesome. Exodus, to get in there and... Yeah, there's some tough sledding in some of the parts, the building of the tabernacle and everything. And then you get to Leviticus and you just hit a wall. It's, we, we call it the Levitical wall, right? And uh, some of you power through, some of you are just exhausted and confused. What is going on with all the blood and the fire and the guts and the gore and all the offerings and the rules and regulations? And so here, I got some good news for you. Um, we're going to see it's a book about Jesus. You know, there's lots of different kinds of, uh, like, preaching. You know, I guess, like, pure preaching is kind of like, you know, a gushing force of the, of the heart where there's not a whole lot of Scripture, but it's full of Scripture. You know what I'm saying? And you got teaching where you're kind of breaking down the Word. And you got some preaching that just looks to just give us a better picture of Jesus. And I'm convinced that there's not a problem in your life that if you saw Jesus more clearly, that wouldn't solve it. And so, really, I, I think this series is we're going to just pull the, have the Holy Spirit pull the veil back on Jesus. And I think we're going to, I think we're all going to be blessed here. And so... Um, the first five chapters are about the five uh, uh, Levitical sacrifices. Doesn't that just sound exciting? Five sacrifices that we're going to go through here. And so uh, you guys aren't as excited as I am because you don't know what I know. But after today, you're going to be excited because you'll know what I know. All right? You may know more than I know. I hope, I hope that's actually the case. So here's the deal. Each of these five offerings, they, put a, they give us a different aspect of the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ was so multifaceted, so beautiful. A lot of times we only see one part. We see the sin offering. We don't recognize there was four other offerings, four other parts to the cross. And so it's, it's going to be kind of like a jewel. We're just catching different gl- glimpses of the beauty of it. And so some may be like, um, why didn't God just do one final sacrifice? Like, you've got all these type of sacrifices, and by the time we get to the New Covenant, we see Jesus was the one sacrifice for all. Then I never wondered that. Like, why didn't you just start with Jesus, right? Okay, no one else is. Oh, because you never read through Leviticus. That's why, you, uh, that's why you're not asking these kind of questions. And so the reason is, um, the, the, uh, Paul says that the law, speaking of the law, was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The law was a tutor. It was a teacher that was to lead us to Jesus. In other words, they couldn't just understand. In their culture, they had sacrifices. They had angry gods. They had all these other things. But God was going to come in with a whole new message that he wasn't angry, and he actually had a way for people to relate to him. And so he had to meet with them where they were and then teach them to come to Christ. And so that's why we have all these sacrifices. So let's go ahead and name the five offerings of Leviticus. I'm just kidding. I'm going to name them for you. How about that? Ready? we got the burnt offering. We've got the grain offering, we've got the peace offering, we've got the sin offering, and we've got the guilt offering. 
So I, what I love about this is you have to understand, God is wanting them, so no matter what circumstance is going on in their life, they've got a way to feel secure about their relationship with God. See, the gods of the ancient Near East, they were angry, they were moody, you never knew where you stood, but this God of Israel who's about to reveal himself, he's saying, no matter what you're going through, I want you to know where you stand with me. I'm not angry. So what if you suddenly realize you did something wrong a few days ago? There's an offering for that. What if you did something unintentional and you ended up hurting somebody and you only just found out a few moments ago? There's an offering for that. What if you blew it big time on a sin? There's an offering for that. I almost feel like there's an oil for that, but there's an offering for that. What if you just want to enjoy a fellowship with God? There's an offering for that. One of these offerings is called the peace offering. It's an offering that you give because you recognize you already have peace with God. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, these are just living reminders for who, how their walk was with God. What, let me, this is not a trick question, by the way. What's it called when you eat something with somebody? It's called a meal, right. This is when you, uh, so, yeah, very good, Sean, very good. So Sean's been in Leviticus. One of the instructions in Leviticus 7 regarding the peace offering, it says, it must be eaten on the day it is offered. Here's the idea, is I'm coming near to God, and I'm actually fellowshipping and feasting with God in his presence. You didn't know that was in the Old Testament, did you? Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And so in other words, you can know where you stand with this God. So these sacrifices, they cover every area of life so that you'll be continually reminded that he's not angry. He's made a way for you to come near to him. But he's trying, he wants to make a way for you to come near to him in a way that doesn't kill you. Remember, he's all, his presence is amazing, he's awesome, but he's also holy. And so he's like, listen, I want you to uh, be covered in my holiness so that we can fellowship together because if you try to come to me without my holiness... It's going to be a mess. And so that's where we get into the sacrifices. So Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. You guys ready? We are actually going to read every word of Leviticus 1. You're like, Jim, why are you doing that? When else are we ever going to read Leviticus? I mean, come on. All right. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord called Moses. The Lord is the personal name of God there, the word Lord. Called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. So the book begins with God revealing, reminding them of his personal name. This is the God who had just led them out of uh, slavery in Egypt. He's the God who rescues his people. And the opening words can be translated, God continued calling Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. The word continued calling there is the word vaikra in Hebrew. Doesn't that sound powerful? Say that with me. Vaikra. It sounds like someone like Thor would marry or something like that. It sounds like some Viking vegetable. I don't even know what it sounds like. It just sounds absolutely amazing. And so we use the word Leviticus that comes from the Latin meaning pertaining to the Levites because it's a book about the Levites and the priests. But if you were to go to a Jewish synagogue today, they would be reading from the book of Vayikra. That's how they say it. It's, it's, it deals with this one word of God calling them. Okay, And so uh, Leviticus 1, 1 again, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Hold on. What is the tent of meeting? You guys have to understand, when you're reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it's telling one story. It's telling one narrative. It's not like, uh, imagine like you're watching Return of the Jedi, and all of a sudden you're like, what happened to Luke's hand? Like, if, you, if that's the first movie, you, you wouldn't start with episode six. No, you would not. You would start with episode four, like the true fans, then go four, five, six, and then back to one, two, three. Okay. And so, imagine though you're starting the star wars series right in the middle with the return of the jedi you're like where is luke's hand like there's something that's going on before this okay so when you come to leviticus there's a story that's already been going on that you're now in the middle of okay and so in, so in order to understand leviticus we're going to have to go to exodus and so when you get to the beginning of exodus man it is a mess oh man 
Uh, the, the, the book of Exodus starts off, where's God? God is completely absent. His people, his, his promised people, they're in slavery, um, and it is bad. Here, here's how it's described how they're being used. In harsh labor, the Egyptians use them ruthlessly. Think about that. They're being treated like animals. They're being just used as a tool. No human rights. They're being used to build an empire that was oppressing them. There's forced labor. It's terrible. And in chapter 2, there's this turning point in Exodus. And so the Pharaoh, who uh, does not love God, does not honor people like the Pharaoh before, who had Joseph there advising him, he, uh, the Pharaoh, he's realizing, these guys won't stop having babies. And they, they're getting bigger and bigger. And he's like, I'm afraid that they're going to become so numerous, they're going to rise up and, and overthrow us. And so he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill all the boys, but leave the girls. And so he's just this radical population control thing he's doing. And it says in the middle of that, it says the Israelites began to cry out and God heard them. So it's like, where is God? It's all this horrible. But the moment they cry out, God, God begins to come up with a plan. And so he saves Moses from this plan. Uh, he was a Hebrew child. He's raised in the, uh, the palace of Pharaoh. He rises up and God uh, uses him to deliver. I'm, I'm fast forwarding through a lot of chapters here. You guys are catching that, right? He uses Moses to deliver them out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. They dance on the other side. They watch their former enslavers get drowned in the sea. And now they come and they meet God at Sinai. And it's interesting, the, the exchange that's happening between God and his people resembles a lot of a Jewish, uh, a Jewish wedding ceremony. As your God is being wed to his people. He's going to be their God. There's this love and all these promises that are made to each other. And now, remember, it's, uh, uh, Exodus starts off with, where's God? He's absent. And now he says, Build me a house. Build me a tabernacle. I want to live among my people permanently. And so they build him a house, and we get to the end of uh, Exodus uh, chapter 40, and it says the glory of God begins to, the glory of God fills the tent of meeting, which was the, um, which was the sanctuary, which was the tabernacle. And it was so thick, Moses is trying to get in, and he can't even get in. He's literally bumping into the glory of God, and he cannot come in. And now we come to Leviticus. Think, literally, the glory just fills it, Moses can't get in, and now God begins to speak. Is that a pretty awesome prelude? For Vaikra? Boy, that was a lot. I think I said that in one breath. All right. This is where Leviticus picks up. Leviticus 1, 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord... I want you to hear what this word offering means. It's the Hebrew word korban, and here's what it means. It means to draw near. I think a lot of people think offerings are like, I'm going to pay off God so he's not ticked off and his fierce wrath. And God's saying, no, no, no. He's speaking to them and saying, listen, when any of you wants to come near me, here's how you do it. Remember, because he's, he's good, but he's also holy. And he's like, I want your holiness to be covered by my holiness so that we can come in and have fellowship here. Is anybody getting this? This is just good. Yeah, I mean... This has to be blowing their minds at this point because all the other gods, they were angry, they were moody, you know, they had to bring all this food. The picture was that the gods didn't work and the people had to work for them. And it was like this whole slave model ship. And now you've got God coming in saying, listen, uh, I, I've got a way for us to be close together. I delivered you. I want to be in the middle of you. And, uh, and now here's how we can actually have fellowship. Now, the first three offerings out of the five, they're voluntary. In other words, they're not required. God's not like, do this or else. Um, and they're all about the gratitude, the joy, the peace, the contentment of our relationship with God. And the last two offerings, the sin and the guilt offerings, that's when you realize you've done something wrong and you need to make it right. So let's look at verse 2 again. Speak. Am I going too fast? Are we okay? Okay. I feel a little hyped up here. So 
Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, in other words, you want to come near, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. And so the herd would be a little bit more expensive. That's going to be a bull. From the flock's going to be a little bit less expensive. That's going to be a lamb or a goat. And so notice the offering must be from the herd or from the flock. These are domesticated animals. God didn't say, hey, you can bring a ram, you can bring a wolf. Those were wild animals that could never represent or typify, become a type of or a picture of Christ who was perfectly submitted to the Father. So we see there has to be a domesticated animal, one who lives a life of submission, not some wild banshee out there. All right. Verse 3, if his offering is a burnt offering from the Lord, so this is the first, I'm sorry, from the herd, this is the first type of offering, the burnt offering, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. We're going to show a diagram here in just a second. Um, I think it's a, it's a couple slides down here. But, um, so you get a picture of the tent of meeting, but I want you to notice right now, it's a male without blemish. Did they already put it up? Is that what happened? Okay. What? Oh, all right. <laughs> Sean, don't scratch your head. I think you're signaling me, okay? I want you to notice it's a male without blemish. Remember, every one of these things is giving us a picture of Jesus. I love, um, Paul said Jesus knew no sin. John wrote in his letter, in him, speaking of Jesus, there is no sin. Peter said in his letter, he did no sin. Pontius Pilate, this was an evil man. He was, he was one of the enemies of Israel. He says, I find no fault in him. Pilate's wife had a dream about Jesus and said, uh, called him an innocent man. Judas Iscariot, who uh, was a follower of Jesus, turned his back on Jesus, realized you know, what he had done, and he says, I am guilty of innocent blood. Evil spirits would see Jesus in the synagogue, and it was like God's holiness was burning, and they're like, we know who you are. You're the righteous one of Israel, the holy one of Israel. And so Jesus, he lived a life of perfect obedience to the Father. Uh, this is going to be super important here because remember uh, Jesus, he, he lives this life of perfect obedience and then he comes to his baptism and at the baptism, the heavens opens up, the Holy Spirit falls in him and God says this over a son. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I want you to notice, this is before Jesus did any miracles. So many charismatics, we're just, we get in this hyper-performance mode and I've got to do this and miracles. And Listen, we, we love doing miracles. But we don't do miracles so that God will be pleased with us. We do miracles because God's already pleased with us. We're not performing for sonship. We're, we're not, we've already got his full attention. I want you to see this. Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience and submission. God says, I'm pleased with you. And out of that revelation, that declaration of sonship, he went out and did miracles. I think that's a pretty good model for us. God fully accepted Jesus. Leviticus 1.4, he lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and, and it shall be accepted from him, for him to make atonement for him. Okay, I need a brave volunteer, somebody who has a high threshold for pain. Anybody in here? Anybody in the youth section over there? Anyone? All right, Daniel Veach, come on up since you uh, broke eye contact with me. I'll just take that as a yes. Come on up here. You're going to like this. This will be good. This will be good. Yeah, yeah, come on up here. Yeah, in front of everybody, live stream, just, oh, wait, just a couple thousand people. Anyway, so we're going to demonstrate the slitting of the throat. No, we're not going to slit them. So okay. All right, Daniel is going to represent a bull from the herd, okay? And so um, I want you to get the difference here. So in a sin offering, um, I place my hands on the bull, and it's, the representation is my sin is transferred to this innocent bull. The bull is, sorry, <laughs> is killed. 
It bleeds out. They, they do all the things. It's burned up. So this innocent animal suffers, and I walk away free. That's a sin offering. That's the fifth type of offering, right? But in this first type of offering, it's actually the opposite. It's this innocent bull. I lay my hands, and the innocence and righteousness and unblemishedness, if that's a word, of this, uh, of this bull is transferred to me. All the pleasing, remember, this is Jesus hanging on the cross. Good job. This is Jesus hanging on the cross. And as pleased as the Father was with Jesus, that gets transferred over to me. Let's give Daniel a hand. Good job. A lot of Christians, they understand the sin offering. They understand that Jesus carried away the sin. He was punished so that we don't have to. Not many Christians have a revelation of the fact that as pleasing and as accepted and as favored as Jesus was, that's transferred to me. And now, what did he say? He said that it's a, oh, we're going to read it here in just a second. It's a pleasing aroma. So I want you to get this picture here. So I, um, if you notice, who was the one who was, uh, who was doing the killing of the bull? It was the person receiving the benefit from it. So you can imagine, here, here's this person, and they've, uh, they've got almost like a family pet. I mean, it's, it's from their own herd. I mean, imagine my little Ellie. My, that's my dog. And so, I mean, it, the, guys, it had to cost them something. And as they would take this dear animal in their arms, and they could feel the breath of the animal against their neck, and they would look up to heaven and recognize, God, as innocent as this thing is, my sin was so terrible that there had to be a price to be paid. And they would slit the throat. There'd be no pain, but then they would be covered in blood. And they would watch the life and the blood drain out of this animal. And just as they were covered with the blood, they were covered with the righteousness of Jesus. And the aroma went up to God, and it was pleasing, and it says it made, we're going to read it in a second, it made atonement for them. It means it covered them. So I'm covered in blood. This sweet aroma of the... Why was it a pleasing aroma? Because it's the life of his son lived before him. It was absolutely perfect. He was the most obedient person. He was the most perfect man. And all of that goodness, all of that pleasure, all of that love that the Father has for the Son would go up before him, and it forms a covering. It makes an atonement, a covering for you. And he says, this is how I see you. Leviticus 1.5, Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons and priests shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. All right, let's pull up that picture here. I hope it came out good. Okay, there it is. So if you notice on the left side, you notice that little box, that little four, uh, that little kind of four box that looks like a grill with four horns on it? Okay, thank you. Yeah, this is the interactive part of the message. I appreciate this here, okay? So if you were to go there, there would be the, the basin where they would wash, and inside there is the sanctuary, the tent of meeting. That's a whole other message. I want you to, we're, we're back out here where the burnt offerings are, okay? And so... Um, uh, if this picture was more accurate, you would actually see tents all around it. It would be the 12 tribes of Israel kind of fanning out in like 12 different rows. And uh, the, the picture is life. Is my time up? I'm hearing the timer. I'm like, I, I know worship went long, but I didn't think I was done already here. I'm, I, this, this is a shorter message, so just give me a, give me a few more minutes. And so, um, but I want you guys to see just the representation. Here is the, 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 this tent. There's this fire at night. There's this cloud during the day. And literally, they could see God in their midst, physically. They're, literally, their life was encamped around the presence of God. It's such, a, it's such a great visual here. So outside the tabernacle, there's the place for burnt offerings. It's like that grill with four horns. Horns in the Hebrew mindset represent authority, and it represents power. 
The four horns picture the benefit of Jesus going north, south, east, and west. In other words, guys, this burnt offering, it's for everybody. It's for the world. It's not just for the Jews. Now, why would the priest put blood against the, the sides of the altar? What does the altar represent? The altar represents the demands of God. The claims of God. This is what must be done. And he's saying, uh, as, as, he take, as, as this person, they take the blood, they spill it, and then the, the priests come and they're splashing the sides of the altar. The representation is, is met is that this burnt offering, the blood of Jesus, satisfies every demand of the law that was ever done. Remember, it said Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. The law was perfect. It was beautiful. It represented the, the perfect love for God and love for people and a, a system of justice. It was absolutely beautiful. The problem is no man could handle it. No man could do it. No man was supposed to except for Jesus. And so he comes, and so as they're splashing this blood, all the demands and all the claims of God, when you would come before him and feel horrible, oh, I didn't do this right. Oh, man, I didn't do this perfect. God's saying, I'm taking care of all that in the life of my son. I just want to make sure you're catching this truth. God is as delighted with you as he is delighted with Jesus. How happy with the Father do you, how happy with Jesus do you think the Father is? It's a pleasing aroma and it comes back and it covers your life, makes atonement for you. The way the Father delights in Jesus is the way the Father is now clothing you with delight. You're not just forgiven, you are literally clothed with the righteousness of God. You can see this person, they're wearing the blood, it's, it's all over them, they're, they're covered in it. As favored and blameless as Jesus is before the Father, that's how favored and blameless. Man, let those words hit you. Favored, blameless, delighted in. You're covered in it. You're like, hold on, there's a mess underneath. You made an atonement. You made a covering. Guys, you have to understand, God wasn't up there getting his kicks off of blood and guts and fire and smoke and all this stuff. What, is, what, what he was doing is these, these things were making a, an atonement. They were making a covering. They were reminding him of what his son would one day do. It's interesting when... Um, how many of you guys know, I mean, God gave Israel the law, and they didn't keep it, right? I mean, they, they did bad things, and yet God continued to bless them. Why? Because they made sacrifices. And when God would see them in their disobedience, he would be reminded of what his son would do one day, and he would treat them as if they had kept those commandments, even though they weren't. And this is why when you see when uh, the kings would turn their hearts from God and begin to serve other gods, boom, judgment came down. Why? Because there was no more covering, <laughs> There was no more atonement. They were on their own as soon as they turned. This is why idolatry was so brutal for Israel, because there was no more covering. But even when they're blowing in, God would, God would look at his son and say, Ah, I will bless them on the basis of what's coming. I love how John puts it. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. You don't have to come to God feeling inferior. I'm not as good as so-and-so. I'm not as good as so-and-so. You are... Before the Father, you are as righteous as his Son. Leviticus 1.6, then he shall flay, or kind of picture skin, you're, you're skinning a, the animal, the burnt offering, and cut it into pieces. Who was the first one in the Bible to clothe man with the skin? It was God. Remember Adam and Eve, they tried to clothe themselves with salad, <laughs> the fig leaves, and, uh, and God's like, no, no, the salad's not quite good enough. And so when they were just clothing themselves with the salad, what was happening? They were feeling ashamed. So many scholars believe Adam, well, the Bible tells us they were naked and unashamed. They didn't realize they were naked because many scholars believe they were clothed with the glory of God. And then when, we get, when it comes to, uh, in Romans 3, it says that man fell, all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we used to be, we used to be clothed with it, but when they fell, they were, the glory left them. 
and they realized they were naked. And so they tried this man-made solution, and God's like, no, no. The only thing that can cover your nakedness, your shame, and your sin is blood. And so God was the first one there back in the garden. He fillets an animal, covers them in skin. Innocent blood is the only thing that can make atonement for us. Jesus' blood covers our sins and clothes us in righteousness. Uh, Leviticus 7, 8. And so uh, when you get to like Leviticus chapter 6 and 7, it kind of gives more rules to go with the five offerings. And so this is one for the burnt offering. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 8. If we can get that one up there. And the priest who offers any man's burnt offering shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering that he has offered today. So who are the priests today? We are the priests today. Okay? Not only are we priests, but we're kings. I love it. Jesus is called the king of kings. That means you are the kings that he is the king over. We are also priests. Okay? We, that means that we come from God and we get to minister to people. And so here's this picture of the priest gets to keep this skin. He gets to keep this, this, this reminder, this covering, this clothing of righteousness. So here's the picture, guys. As you come from his presence, you get to speak as his representative. When you speak to disease, it has to go. Not because of your righteousness, you're clothed in the righteousness of another. I think we should start wearing skins or something. I don't know here. Leather jackets. There we go. Mary, I just gave myself permission to get a new leather jacket. All right. You no longer appear before God with all your shortcomings and faults. He's got you covered. A robe of righteousness, garments of salvation. This is what God clothes his kings and priests with. Leviticus 1.7, And the sons of Aaron the priest shall put the fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. This is just a great reminder of the story of Abraham and Isaac. It's a story where God's like, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your dearest son. If you can imagine, now some of you were going, oh, when you're imagining sacrificing your pet. Imagining this father who waited for over 25 years for the promised son to come. And now God says, I want you to sacrifice him. Imagine that walk. And they're walking up there, and Isaac's carrying the wood. He understands burnt offerings. He says, Dad, where's the lamb? Smart boy. And God says, listen, God's going to provide the lamb. And it's a perfect uh, prophecy of what was fulfilled on Scripture of God sending his son to be treated so horrible. Part of it grieved him, and part of it was so pleasing. God provided the lamb. Leviticus 1.8, and Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. So here, uh, the animal's been filleted, the blood's been drained, uh, all the blood was to be saved, nothing was to be lost in the blood, uh, splashed on the sides of the altar. Now they're taking the different pieces. And so here we're going to see, uh, it just gives us a further revelation of the cross, of what, what was paid for here. The head speaks of our mind and our intelligence. You know, we have the mind of Christ. You know, who knows the will of God better than Jesus? And so here's this picture of this head now as part of this sacrifice. Is now we can know the, the mind of God. The fat of the animal speaks of riches and the best part of the animal. Seems like fat today isn't quite as respected here in, in, uh, in America. Like, oh, that's the best part, you know, anyway. But in the biblical days, you know, remember you remember verses like this, you shall eat the fat of the land. In other words, you're going to eat the best parts. You're going to have the filet mignon, all right? But fat also speaks of an inward energy. So here's a picture. Not only can we know the will of God, but God's going to give us the inward energy to accomplish that will. A lot of people, they know what they're supposed to do, but they can't do what they know. And he's saying under the new covenant, when my son comes, you not only know what to do, but I'll give you the grace to be able to do it. Leviticus 1.9, but his entrails, guts, and his legs he shall wash with water. And the, can you, I mean, do you see the, oh, this is just amazing. 
But his entrails and his legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. What song did we just sing? Consuming fire, sweet perfume. I'm like, this, they're preaching my message right here. Consuming fire, sweet perfume as it went up before the Lord. Your entrails, your insides, your gut speaks, of, and the Hebrew mind speaks of your inner life, your emotions, your intentions. Uh, legs speak of your walk. And here is kind of, it's kind of another picture of what we just looked at. Washing with water is a picture of purity, of being washed by the word. So here, Jesus was perfect inside and outside. He was, he was washed by the word. He was perfectly pure. So not only were his thoughts and intentions perfectly pure, but his ability to walk them out were perfectly pure. So they're washed and they're burnt, and we get to have part of that on the cross too. Leviticus 1, 10 through 17. Uh, this is, uh, there's a lot of repetition here, so I'm just going to read these 17 verses and kind of give a general comment, and then we're going to close it out here. But uh, what I want you to notice is that you're going to see the repetition. Some of you may say, why the repetition? I'm reading through Leviticus. It seems like it says a lot of the same thing over and over. You have to remember, it was an oral culture. They didn't have printing press. They didn't have iPads they could refer to. And so when there was the repetition, it was a lot easier for them to remember these things. That's why it says things like, uh, do not let this book of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, um, <clears throat> Sorry, I can say the all 66 books in a little over 11 seconds, so sorry. So I'm a little prideful there. But I got the burn offering. I'm covered. Thank you, Jesus. You cover my pride. Thank you, Lord. I guess that probably would have been a, a trespass offering. Like, oh, I, I, I didn't... I, I, anyway. <laughs> so uh, do not let this book of the law depart from their mouth because they, they would memorize it. They, they, they heard it, and then they would memorize it. And so when you see the repetitions throughout the Old Testament, a lot of times it was for their benefit. It's so that they could carry these things easier. Okay, So we're ready for Leviticus 1, 10 through 17. We're going to finish the chapter. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, so he had just given all the rules of it was from the herd, most expensive, now he's going to give it from the flock, middle, middle tier expensive. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish. Once again, he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar, and he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat, and the priest shall arrange them on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. So it sounds very similar to what we just read, except with a lamb and a goat. Verse 14, if his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and burn it on the altar. This is just brutal stuff. I know we're reading through it quickly, but just imagine, you're going to see, they did this twice a day. I mean, it was a continual reminder of God's goodness and righteousness, but this, it was a continual reminder of there was a high price to be paid so I could come near to a God this holy. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head. Boy, that's, that's a nice way of saying, <laughs> and burn it, up on, burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained on the side of the altar. He shall remove its crop with its contents and its cast it beside the altar on the east side in the place for ashes. He shall tear it open by the wings, but, it shall, but shall not sever it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Notice there was three, kind of three categories. Verse 3, we saw one from the herd, most expensive. Uh, verse 10, from the flock, the sheep or the goats. Uh, those were both males without blemish, still costly, much more valuable than verse 14 from the birds. 
Here's the message, guys. It does not matter your social status. It does not matter your financial condition. You can still come to the cross and receive the same benefits as everybody else. Guys, in a society in the ancient Near East, this was radical. It was the haves and the have-nots. Remember, they had just been slaves in the bottom of the totem pole, and God says, from now on, everybody in my sight gets equal access. Conclusion, just to make sure we got all this. The burnt offering is a pleasing aroma to God because it reminds him of the perfection of his son. And as, we, as that person would have laid their hand on that unblemished, perfect animal, all the righteousness and perfection of the animal comes upon me. And as it's burned, it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord, and it comes and it becomes a covering over my life in which I live in his presence, being treated as if I were as perfect and unblemished as his son. In the Old Testament, they offered a burnt offering every morning and evening. The morning sacrifice was at 9 a.m., and uh, the p.m. sacrifice was at 3 p.m. Anyone catching any of this? Jesus died on the cross at 9, hung on the cross starting at 9 a.m., and finished at 3 p.m. Jesus was the ultimate burnt offering. He's the fulfillment of it. We don't need to offer burnt offerings anymore because Jesus was the ultimate burnt offering. But here's the deal, guys. Um, I don't... We don't offer burnt offerings anymore, but I tell you what, I think there's something in that pattern of morning and night, recognizing that we're pleasing to the Lord, recognizing that we're covered by the blood of Jesus. You can't just hear a message like this and go, that was great. Next, and live in the fullness of walking in that reality. I'm clothed with Christ. As pleasing and as favored and as righteous as Jesus is, that's how I am before the Father. So I would encourage you guys to, um, boy, whatever you have to do to make it a habit of just morning and night, on a regular basis, just coming before the Lord and just being thankful for Jesus. The, um, what was the song we were singing here? Uh, Christ alone, cornerstone, was talking all about his righteousness. You know, my faith is nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I mean, it was preaching my sermon again. I'm, I, don't, I was wrecked during worship. I'm like, this, I don't know, those lyrics just came so much more alive to me. And so, um, you know what, how about we just sing that song before we close out? So I am sorry to, to spring this on you guys. If we could pull up the, I think it was like Christ Alone, Cornerstone, something else. So uh, we could have, a, is the worship team, and those of you who are still here, if you guys could come on up. Sorry to spring this on you. And as they're coming up, let me ask you guys a question. Can a person live in outer space? The answer is yes and no. Um, if they go there, it just, uh, it just as a normal human they cannot live in outer space. They'll, they'll, they'll die. They won't make it in the atmosphere. But if they're covered in a spacesuit, they're able to live in outer space. What happens in a spacesuit is it represents the atmosphere of another world. And if they live in that atmosphere, they can encounter anything else. How can we be a believer in this world and not of this world? Well, you've been covered by the atmosphere of another realm. So no matter what hell you're going to face this week, no matter what obstacles, whatever personal, professional, financial, mental, you need to recognize, gang, that you have been covered. You have access. And you can live in the reality of another world. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. And so we're going to sing this song with a little bit more uh, understanding, and then we're going to get some people healed. All right. So uh, if you guys could stand, we're going to sing this, and uh, we'll, we'll keep things moving here.
Weak made strong in the Savior's love. 
Thank you for being our burn offering. Well, we just see more clearly the price that was paid. The Father gave up his most beloved so that we could come near. Lord, give us a grace to walk in that. Thank you, Lord. Uh, so, um, Yesterday we did a session at the Catholic thing, and uh, we had about 160 people get healed in about 10 minutes. And so, yeah. Oh, and I didn't pray for any of them. So it was just um, God working through people covered in righteousness. And so um, let's just go after some stuff today. Does that sound good? And so um, if, if you're a second-year student here at CSSM or you're a graduate coming up, just give a word of knowledge. Just say, God, what is it that you're wanting to heal? Come on. No, no. Oh, yeah, but come on. Oh, no. No, don't start getting in performance mode on me here. God will give you something on the way up. And I don't want long explanations. Right shoulder, male, this side of the room, headache, whatever it might be, just say it, say it. And so Shiner's going to walk across. And um, as they say the thing, guys, here's your act of faith, is to respond to that thing. If it, if it gets called out, don't sit in your seat, okay? And uh, if yours doesn't get called out, you're going to get prayer here in just a second. But we're just going to start off here, so... Um, so I want to just—it's like they keep adding to the the, the thing they want to. All right. So I heard God say, um, like your neck and upper back here, or your shoulders, just just tightness and pain, call it specifically causing headaches. Um, All right. So a tightness in the back of the neck and pain causing headaches. Okay. Yep. If that's you, just come on down. Just start walking. Keep going. Let's keep it moving. Um, if you have an irregular heartbeat or um, your heart beats out of, like, rhythm with what it should normally be. Some rhythia, tachycardia, bradycardia. That's you. Come on down. Uh, Lockjaw, bowel problems, or your left ankle pain. What was the first one? I said again. Uh, Lockjaw. Like Lockjaw. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So any TMJ, anything like that? Um, left, like, arm? Okay, so left, like the bone part? Okay, so the left bone part of the arm. We've got a bunch of physicians here, yeah. So, Rachel, what is that called? Is that the ulna? Oh, that's the... What's that? The ulna, yeah. The ulna. Pre-med? The ulna. (laughs) Okay, um, I got clouded vision or cataracts, and then um, left hip or, like, groin area, like you pulled something or, like, a limp. All right, Awesome. Come on forward. Like a stuffiness in your ears right here. Um, also, like in the jaw right here um, and the heart. So, so stuffiness in the ears, what was going on with the jaw? Just um, just a jaw problem? Is that what you feel? Kind of like a numbness or like trouble feeling. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, ringing in the ears. So very similar. Ringing in the ears or loss of hearing. Ringing in the ears or loss of hearing. Okay. Any kind of pancreatic problem. Okay. Sugar. So, so uh, anything related to sugar? So pancreatic things, any kind of uh, sugar irregularities? Just heart and how the heart operates. All right, so 
Heart and uh, heart issues. Here we go. Um, lung problems, asthma, and uh, very hard to breathe. All right, lungs problems, asthma, breathing difficulties. Diabetes one or two. Diabetes one or two. Um, right shoulder or right knee. Anything on the right side that has pain or aching. Mama Dora, why don't you team um, up I with heard, McKenzie because uh, she kind of said something similar. Lumps in the similar. chest, uh, lumps that have been diagnosed as doctors is like not worth removing, but you just want them gone, like supernatural removal of lumps in the chest. And then also, um, I heard strongly in worship this morning, infertility. Okay. If you have any, uh, if you don't have arches in your feet and it's like p painful to walk. All right. All right, guys. Pray prayers, short, brief, and powerful. Guys, if you're coming to them for prayer, don't try to discourage them with your symptoms. Just a brief explanation. Hey, I want my shoulder to feel better, okay? We don't need your medical history. Play the prayer of faith. And guys, if you're getting breakthrough, I want cheering, and I want you to clap so hard that your hands turn red. There we go. And then we'll pray for your hands. What? It's going for it. Why don't you guys get in groups of three, and if there's somebody who needs prayer, just say, hey man, I need, and if it didn't get covered, then um, just do it. So get in groups of three, see if, if you know the person super well, you're allowed to break away from that group if you feel like that's gonna be a hindrance, or you can stay with the group, whatever you wanna do. But as, just, hey, do you need any prayer? Yeah, my stomach needs this and that, in the name of Jesus, and then they have to check it out. Guys, if there's breakthrough, I wanna hear clapping. <laughs> 